Welcome back to another episode of the You Are Worth Knowing podcast. Let me know if you enjoyed last week's format. I got a bunch of awesome questions from you guys. So I'm going to keep adding in the social anxiety Q&A format. So I do hope that you listened in and that you enjoyed it. And that if you have any question whatsoever regarding social anxiety, that you can just shoot me a DM at honestrocks on Instagram or on my email, rocks at honestrocks.com, and I'll have your question answered. So this week's episode is going to be a more in-depth one, and it's going to break down several studies. And I'm really excited to dig into it because we are going to talk about the liking gap. Welcome to the Year Worth Knowing podcast. I'm your host, Roxana Alexandru from Honest Rocks, and I am obsessed with social anxiety. After a decade of trying to figure out how to manage it on my own, I'm on a mission now to share every little insight I've gained along the way. Every week, we'll get just a little bit closer to unraveling the mystery of it so you can live the best version of yourself because you are worth knowing. Let's get to it. Have you ever walked away from a conversation with someone new thinking that you tanked it, that there was no way that they will ever want to talk to you again? Maybe because of something that you said or didn't say, perhaps because they didn't give you the feeling that they liked you in the first place. Chances are that you were a victim of the liking gap. So even if you haven't heard of it, you've probably experienced this illusion. Here's one way to explain what the liking gap is. Imagine you're baking a cake and you're not sure if it's going to turn out well. You're worried that it might not be sweet enough or the texture might be off. But when you serve the cake to your guests, They love it. Hmm, why the disconnect? Are they lying to you about the damn cake? How dare they? This is similar to the liking gap in social interactions. We often underestimate how much others like us, just as much as we might underestimate how much people enjoy our cake. Like the cake, we might be worried that we're not doing well socially, but others may see us more positively than we think. Now I know what you're going to say. They're just saying that they like my cake to be nice. Sure, that's a possibility, but let's reframe it then. Think of a time when you were the one being served cake and you found it delicious. Chances are that the person who made it also worried about its taste. Maybe they even mentioned how worried they were or they breathed a sigh of relief when you said it was delicious. So that's kind of like the disconnect there. Now, the reason why I'm tackling this particular topic is because I want to make you feel more comfortable when you're meeting new people. I really want you to reframe your mind instead of being worried when you're talking to someone new or a stranger that they might not like you or that you said something stupid or they'll never want to be friends with you. The reason why that might be happening is because of this liking gap. So I hope that this episode is going to enlighten you and give you a different perspective because the truth is that we are reluctant to talk to strangers or with the person sitting next to us in class because we worry they won't like us or find us interesting enough. But what if the truth is on the other side? What if you knew that the chances are super high that the person does find you interesting? Yes, having a conversation with a stranger or a new person is quite distressing or unnerving, especially if you have social anxiety, as it can get awkward and uncertain. You're going to probably think, did I overshare? Did I talk too much? Was I boring? A lot of things happen in the span of a few seconds, and it's impossible to know exactly how the other person thinks of you, especially in that moment. So given that you have this blind spot, you're going to try to make a guess. And since you're in your head, 
your guests will be negatively biased and self-critical. Ugh, those stupid brains of ours. And since you're the best at being your worst critic, you will find it hard to believe others don't see you the same way. That's the illusion we want to break free of. The gap between what you think of yourself during a conversation and what someone else thinks of you is so big that you will underestimate how much they like you and overestimate how harshly they feel about you. That's the liking gap. The liking gap exists because we can't just ask people how much they like us after a conversation ends. I mean, how awkward would that be? But the truth is that if you ask someone how much they like you, they will probably give you two thumbs up. And studies confirm that. Studies show that after people have conversations, they are liked more than they think. And that's reassuring, isn't it? Knowing that we have signs backing us up after we have a conversation with a stranger. But I want to take some time to dig into the data with you right now so that we can really engrave this idea. So researchers conducted five studies to explore the liking gap that we fall prey to. So I'm going to break each one of those in a short summary and we'll kind of discuss at the end what they all mean holistically. Study 1A was to answer the question, is there a liking gap? Participants were recruited and asked to have a conversation with each other, right? One-on-one. So they sat face-to-face at a table. They were given some icebreaker questions to help them guide the conversation. And they were recorded for the duration. After the conversation, they were asked to rate how much they liked their conversation partner and how much they thought their partner liked them. So the answers were based on a scale of one to seven. And they had to agree or disagree with several statements, such as, I generally liked the other participant. I would be interested in getting to know the other participant better. If given the chance, I would like to interact with the other participant again. And so on. After a lot of mumbo jumbo statistics that I'm not going to break down because holy moly, I had enough of that during my master's degree and I absolutely hated it. The final call for the study was that after even a short encounter with someone, aka making small talk, people significantly underestimated how much others liked them. They also accounted for shyness in this particular study. And what they found was that highly shy participants reported a larger liking gap, while those with low shyness did not report a significant gap. What gives with the non-shy folks? Does that have to do with confidence? Researchers are not sure, but it does explain why some people find it so easy to talk to just anybody without tripping up or thinking poorly of themselves and that the world hates them, right? And others just don't think about that at all. Now, study 1B aimed to answer the question, do people send signals that they like each other? And you can probably think of a few times that you signaled to someone that you wanted to be friends with them, but they never really reciprocated, making you feel like they wanted nothing to do with you. Chances are that they were just oblivious to your signal, to be honest. When we communicate with each other, we send a lot of signals back and forth through words, gestures, facial expressions, Yet for some reason, we miss many of those. Let me backtrack for a second. That's not true. It's not some reason. There is a reason. And it's this one. We tend to focus so much on our own performance and thoughts about our performance that we pay no attention to the person in front of us. For all we know, they could literally be saying, I like you, or I think you're cool. And you would just gloss over it because you're too busy being mean to yourself. But we'll get to this in study number two more in depth. So let's go back to the original question. Do people send signals that they like each other? So the researchers separated the signals into two buckets. So the first one is the no signal bucket. 
This is when you can't tell if someone likes you because they don't give you any signals, even though they do like you. So think of someone that might be more restrained, shy, or socially awkward. The second bucket is the neglected signal bucket. This is when you give out many signals, even offer to share your number with someone, but they do nothing with it. You'll probably feel rejected when they don't interpret your signal. So the researchers can only truly measure based on the neglected signal bucket, since they cannot know whether one participant liked another if they showed no signals, right? And that's where the liking gap lives, in the neglected signal bucket. Because the participants did signal that they liked one another, but the ratings showed otherwise. So when rating how much the conversation partners liked them, they didn't take the signals into consideration. So how did the researchers observe these so-called signals that we all seem to ignore in our conversations? They actually had trained coders watch the recorded conversations and rate the participants liking for each other. What this means is that they had trained research assistants that were unaware of the study's purpose watch the recorded conversations and answer questions such as, how much do they like the other participants? How much would they like to interact with the other participant again? And how interested are they in getting to know the other participants? The answers were again recompiled against the seven-point scale. And the analysis showed that the observed liking was a significant predictor of actual liking. In layman's terms, the coders could accurately predict how much participants reported liking one another. So if one of these research assistants is watching you have a conversation with a stranger, they would be able to accurately pick out the signals, such as handing over your phone number or expressing how much you like this person verbally, and they would be able to predict whether or not you are interested in them and vice versa based on just observation. Which brings us to the crux of the issue. Why are we so bad at judging how others feel about us if chances are that they think rather highly of us? Obviously in the context of talking to someone new, right? So study number two actually gives us an answer to that question by asking the following question. Why does the liking gap exist? Why, oh why, can't we all be friends like we want to be and stop overthinking that nobody likes us? I mean, how easy could that be? Because although people give us signals that they like us during a conversation, we neglect them when it comes to rating how much they like us. And this has something to do with the fact that we're too busy with our inner critic to catch the signals. And that is what they set out to prove with this second study. So for this round, they placed the participants at the table again, but they did not give them any predetermined icebreaker questions like they did in the previous one. They just let them have a natural conversation for about five minutes. And after the conversation, the participants rated each other with the same questions and scale as the first study. But in addition to that, they were asked to share their post-conversation thoughts. They were asked to write down something memorable about the other person, something that stuck out to them and to also write down what they think the other person would say was memorable about them. So to put that into perspective, these are the two questions that they had to respond to. The first one was, what are the top three moments from your conversation that caused you to form the impression of the other person that you did? And two, what are the top three moments from your conversation that caused the other person to form the impression of you that they did? So they were asked to write in detail about each moment and then to rate each moment negatively or positively on a seven-point scale whose endpoints were labeled extremely negative and extremely positive. And 
These questions and these answers helped the researchers test whether the negativity of people's post-conversation thoughts was related to the size of the liking gap. They call this the thought valence. Thought valence in this context refers to the positivity or negativity of a person's thoughts and how it influences the other two variables, which are the rating type, right? So the actual and perceived liking and the liking between conversation partners. The jargon is in the way, I know, but stick with me here. We will land this together. As a result, they found a significant effect where thought valence, our positive slash negative thoughts, plays a role in determining how much participants liked one another after their conversation. So the difference between actual and perceived liking might be due to the positivity or negativity of their thoughts during the interaction. That's quite a mouthful. Because ultimately what they wanted to do was to measure whether people's thoughts after the conversation were related to the size of the liking gap. Because the stronger the negativity, the stronger the liking gap, which is what they found out to be the case. And it makes sense, right? Because if you are stuck in your own mind thinking negatively about yourself, you are missing all of the amazing signals that people are giving you. and post-conversation, you're going to walk away thinking the worst about yourself. You are not going to think that person thought you were funny or cool or interesting or that they want to be friends with you because you're too busy ruminating about how much you sucked. And the more you think you sucked, the bigger your liking gap, the bigger the disconnect between what the other person thought of you, right? So that's Ultimately, after all that mumbo jumbo, all, all those words, thought valence and all that jargon, that is ultimately what we want to walk away with, knowing that the more negative we are, the more self-critical we are about ourselves during an interaction, the bigger the liking gap ends up being. Now, let's move on to study number three, which wanted to answer the question whether the liking gap persists in longer conversations. So for this study, they had participants talk for as long as they wanted within time constraints, right? So longer than a minute, but less than 45 minutes. And they even measured an enjoyment gap, which is how much someone enjoyed a conversation and how much they think the other person enjoyed it. So after the conversation ended between the participants, they went into their separate rooms and answered the following questions based on the seven-point scale again. One, how much do you generally like the other person? Two, how much did you enjoy the conversation? Three, how much do you think the other person generally likes you? And four, how much do you think your partner enjoyed the conversation? So overall, conversations lasted anywhere from two to 45 minutes. And as it turned out, the rating type which again is actual or perceived liking, significantly predicted liking. Again, showing us that we underestimate how much others like us. And what do you think the results showed in the enjoyment gap? Just take a wild guess. If you guessed that the participants mistakenly believed that they enjoy the conversation more than the other person, ding, 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 you are right, my friend. And then lastly, as part of the study, they even grouped the conversations into three buckets to see if there were any additional observations to be made, if the liking gap persisted across short conversations, medium conversations, long conversations. And unsurprisingly, the liking gap pattern and the enjoyment gap were similar for all three, for short, medium, and long conversations. You can see it in the graph here. 
that for each conversation instance, the perceived liking bar is below the actual liking bar, which means that no matter the length of the conversation, participants rated themselves as being less liked than the rating that their conversational partners gave them. Ta-da! The illusion lives on. Now, one thing that they did notice was that participants who had longer conversations reported greater enjoyment. But regardless of conversation length, they still underestimated how much their conversation partners enjoyed the conversation. Now comes the most interesting outcome of them all, because the four studies we just discussed were based in a laboratory setting where they had participants come in for the purpose of the study, even though they didn't know what was being measured. But this study, study number four, it takes it to the real world level. Study number four asks, can the liking gap be observed in the real world? Dun, dun, dun. There's nowhere to turn anymore if the liking gap persists here as well. So researchers wanted to find out whether the liking gap exists in the general public. So they had people do their ratings after a how to talk to strangers workshop. So what they had to do was the following. One, fill out a pre-conversation survey regarding their expectations for the workshop. Two, find a conversation partner whom they did not previously know. Three, spend approximately five minutes introducing themselves. And four, complete a post-conversation survey. Now, during the workshop, the researchers walked around and asked people how interesting they found their conversation partner to be and how interesting they thought the conversation partner found them. Similar to all of the other studies that we walked through. They asked the question before and after the conversation that the participants were having, right? So the before question was something like, how interesting do you think this person is going to be? And the after question was something like, how interesting was that person? And also, of course, to rate what they think the other person would say about them is interesting. So I think you know where this is going, because as it turned out, from the 100 people there that participated, the participants predicted that both they and their conversation partner would be less interesting than they and the conversation partner were. Yes, go back and listen to that again, because it does take a few, a few times to understand what it means. But this tells us that a conversation with a stranger, it seems, is better than we think it will be. Oh, that's a consolation, isn't it? You can, again, see it in the graph that the perceived rating was lower than the actual rating, signifying the liking gap. And finally, let's get to study number five. In this one, they wanted to know whether the liking gap lasts or if at some point we start seeing this illusion for what it is. Now, I'm not going to go too in-depth with study number five, but for this one, they assess participants at various times, right? And we're talking about college roommates right now. And they wanted to see the extent of the liking gap. And they found that it actually persisted for several months as these roommates formed and developed new relationships. So as you can see in the graph, people underestimated how much their roommates liked them at all points except for the final one. So there is a liking gap between September and February, but then it disappears in May. And that may be due to people getting to know one another well by that time. Or maybe because the students were deciding whether to live together the following year, which may have forced discussions that revealed liking or both. So the gap closed. Interesting, right? Now, the overall message from all of these studies is that 
others like us more than we know or than we think we know. So while you digest all of that, I want to bring up a few reasons for the liking gap's existence. One, self-criticism. We tend to focus on our flaws and mistakes during conversations. We are more critical of our performance than an observer would be, as we saw with the trained coders. This is also called the spotlight effect. The second reason is that there are differences in perspective. While we are aware of our thoughts and feelings during a conversation, we have no clue about the thoughts and feelings of the person we're talking to. And this can lead us to make assumptions, misread, or misjudge the whole interaction. Three, fear of rejection. We tend to fear rejection and the disapproval from others, making ourselves small. So we downplay any positive points during a conversation, which leads us to underestimate how liked we are. And four, safeguarding our reputation. The liking gap shows up around age five when kids become more concerned with how others see them and it grows stronger with age. Once they start caring about the reputation, the liking gap appears. Now that we've gone through the definition, the studies, and the evidence for the liking gap, you're more aware of your tendency to underestimate yourself when talking to someone new. At least I hope so. I really hope that this helps you put things into perspective so you're less harsh on yourself and more open to the signals sent your way. Because if you're consistently underestimating yourself in a conversation, you're going to run into self-doubt, lower self-esteem, and miss opportunities to connect with others meaningfully. And that's a shame, isn't it? Because you are worth knowing. What I really want you to walk away from this episode, if you forget anything else from the studies, the research, is that you are a likable person. You might not feel it or believe it in the moment, but you are. And that is why I really wanted to make this podcast, because I truly believe that everyone is worth knowing in so many different and beautiful ways. And if we can just remove ourselves from that negativity that we impose on ourselves, then we can really truly see us how others do. And I think that's, that's the work, isn't it? to really remove that additional layer that we put between us and others. Because if we remove that, if we shrink the gap, the liking gap, we will all be able to connect more genuinely and authentically and really be open to new friendships and relationships and conversations and not be so worried all the damn time about how we come off and what others think about us and worry that they're not going to want to be our friends and, oh my God, we screwed up again and this happens every single time. What if instead you just said, hey, Every time I have a conversation with someone new, they like me. Studies show that. The science backs it up. People like you. When they talk to you, they like you. What if you just went and ran with that and truly found a way to believe that, yeah, it is possible for you to be liked. And I really hope this episode gives you that perspective and that it challenges you to think differently about meeting new people because the science is on your side. So let me know what you think of this episode. If you've heard of the liking gap, if I explain it properly, if I need to do another episode on it, I would love to hear what you have to say. You can always reach me at rocks at honestrocks.com with any of your thoughts, feedback, or questions. I will see you here next week on the You Are Worth Knowing podcast. Have an awesome week. Bye.